0: Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. We're doing a very, very special rewind episode this time. <laughs> special because it wasn't at all planned. Uh, we actually took the last week off because I was away on the holistic holiday and sea vegan cruise. And uh, we're ready to record yesterday a nice little Q&A session or Q&A episode, but uh, turn out Doug has come down with a bug. Doug, I hope you're hanging in there. Let's see how bad it no,
0: is. I, uh, you know, I, I was fighting it off all week. My family has been sick uh, most of the week, and I thought I was going to get away with it, but yesterday <laughs> I woke up feeling... Feeling terrible and woke up this morning feeling even worse. So, we, we tried to push it off yesterday to today and, and see if we could still get it in, but unfortunately, it's no go. No one wants to listen to me uh, cough I, for, I, for yeah, an hour.
1: I don't think so. But hey, we're showing up. We're doing something, right? We're, we're recording That's a right. fresh new intro on uh, one of our more popular running episodes ever called, uh, is it eight running rules you can safely ignore? I don't even know the number, Doug. Yeah, eight. 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 Yep. Good. Yeah, so rules that, that are, would have been
0: too many, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. You can't ignore that many. that's right so uh yeah so i I think it's people self-explanatory right it's things that are supposed set in stone rules that uh we are questioning or even refuting here so that's the idea um i guess just for for the loyal listeners who want a little something new what do we uh what do we add doug i've got the cruise that i went on you did while i was gone you did the uh mount mitchell challenge
0: the 40 mile
1: race that you like to do that you were featured in the local press for
0: that's right, yeah.
1: it's saw you right on the front page of the, well, I don't know what it was, front page, some sort of page of the Black Mountain newspaper, and it was also in the Asheville one, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was getting Times. all kinds of local press that week. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> so that's cool, uh, and and you said it was a new course and kind of very hot that day.
0: Yeah, you know, the race, the race went pretty well, I would say, um, you know, it's one that I really like, it's fun to run a local race, and, and it's, you know, trails that I, I train on pretty regularly, but... um, the trails towards the top of this. basically it's just you you run up a big mountain and then you turn around and run back down so if you look at the elevation profile it's just like up for the first 20 miles and down for the second 20 miles um and what could be more fun I mean, <laughs> <it was> just... <laughs> uh but the the route was a little different on top and which was which was nice but it was like 80 degrees in town which uh normally this you know this is a february race and normally there's some snow up up top and uh really cold temperatures. I think this was the first year I've ever run it without wearing tights. And I wore a shirt and t-shirt this time, and just <laughs> <laughs> I was. I don't. You know, I, there's something to be said for uh, for racing in conditions that you train in, and if you're training in the cold, that first couple of days of heat is it's gonna take something out of you.
1: Yeah. So that no surprise that, that you're sick. I know I've always gotten sick after ultras especially not just marathons. or not it seems like it never happened with marathons but once i got into ultra running i always got sick the week after those mm. so no surprise there and we should mention that it's the highest peak east of the mississippi so you like it's it the easy one so it should might as well remind <laughs> people of that um yeah, the highest peak yeah. is
0: in north carolina not not mount washington a lot of people think of
1: oh yeah we're i don't i don't even know what that is it's,
0: <laughs> it's, uh, it's up north
1: oh okay Cool. Good. Well, uh, congratulations, Doug. That's awesome. Glad, glad one of us is knocking out races. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I mean, while I was on the vegan cruise with my mom. We, it was ten days this year. We only went for four days of those ten. I got on in Barbados, which was kind of cool. Bar- Barbados actually very nice. Very nice people in Barbados. They were very friendly. My favorite of the Caribbean islands I've been to, I think. And
0: ten days my- seems really long for a cruise. Is that?
1: It, yeah, I mean, it's, it is long. It was to celebrate their, I think, like the 15th anniversary of this cruise, but then it turns out next year, they're doing 11 days, so Whoa. it was, it was really popular. I think it sold out very quickly, more people than they've ever had attend before, uh, and a noticeably, from my perspective, noticeably younger crowd, which, hmm. you know, it, nothing wrong with an old, older crowd, but, uh, for me, wanting the casino to be full and the, and the bars to be having, <laughs> I found it, I found it to be, uh, quite enjoyable that there was a
0: little bit younger crowd this time, so... Did uh? I think in in previous years they've like shared the boat with with some non a non vegan group. Yes,
1: and that is that's still the case. And I don't know how big they can expand. I don't know exactly why all that is that way. I don't know if eventually this if they can just keep expanding on this current boat and eventually be three quarters of the boat the vegan cruise instead of uh, about I think it's a little more than half now. So I don't really know. But yeah, still still other people on there. Uh, but yeah, you don't really see them unless you go up to the pool. Somehow yeah. somehow they keep us separate. <laughs> is it
0: the same boat every
1: year? It's the same boat, yep. The MSC Divina. Oh. I think I mean in the past they've been on different boats, but every year that I've been, which is four now, it's always the MSC Divina, which is an Italian
0: cruise line. That's 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 great. It's it, is. A, it just sounds like such a fun uh, and unique experience to be it on is. a cruise but where all the food is. All the food's vegan. Yeah. And all the all the like uh all the Late night spots and stuff like that or they all have vegan options too, right?
1: Well, there's always vegan pizza. That's kind of the one standby food you can always go get but just about any time. Okay. I guess. But you know the buffets, yeah, they they have vegan lunch and breakfast served in them. Uh, but like on a normal cruise ship, I think you can kind of just show up at any time to the to the food area and just get something to eat, which is you know why cruise is kind of sometimes where the clientele looks a little bit overweight in some of that, <laughs> <laughs> i think uh but anyway with <laughs> this That's one terrible well, it's just i mean i've noticed that
0: uh-huh. um, yeah
1: yeah okay i mean there's i'm not there's no judgment at all happening there right it's, it's if if, you're, if the people who go to a vacation where part of the perk is that there's food available all the is time
0: unlimited um, food right yeah
1: that means going to tend to be people who enjoy eating more and who are who are more overweight not saying everybody is Sure. but anyway um yeah so anyway but so the vegan thing um you i think our version of that is there's always vegan pizza ah got it which is just pizza without cheese on it and then and then they have a little shaker parmesan vegan parmesan next to it oh okay well, yeah that's good. so anyway it was a very good time i brought my mom along uh because my dad had come the year before and that was after he was already kind of on his i know he was already already totally on board so to speak with the uh plant-based diet <laughs> My mom um, came along, and I think she took a good amount of inspiration from it. It just so happened that all the great talks, I don't know, the ones that I always find so, uh, I don't know, rejuvenating and sort of exciting about, just remind me why I eat this way. Um, it seemed like they were all early on the ship, so we my mom didn't get to see that many of those types, uh, which was a little bit too bad for me, because I was hoping that it might have a little bit more of an impact. But I, I do think she's made some changes already since then, and I hope they stick. That's great.
0: And you, yes. you did a talk, right?
1: I did a talk, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't even tell the, the funny part. My uh, my uh Somehow, it, on my talk was on Saturday. And on Wednesday, I was talking to Juliana Hever and Ray, who were recent podcast guests, Ray Cornice and Juliana Hever. Yeah. Um, and like we, I, I don't know why I got the idea with her that my talk was just after hers so that she could run off after hers and come see mine because I had seen her talk. And I got the idea that, that my talk was at 10 o'clock on Saturday. And I never checked it again. So <laughs> I was, thankfully, went back to my room Saturday morning after getting breakfast and getting this internet thing worked out that I had to get figured out on the boat, and almost decided to go to another talk at nine, just kind of to relax before mine. But instead, went back to my room and said, now I'm going to review it one more time. And I got this phone call at 9.05 from the guy who, who handles all the you know logistics on the boat. And he was like, where are you? There's 400 people here in this room. You need to get up here right now. And I was, I just dumbfounded. I, I just didn't have anything ready. <laughs> I, so I just sprinted upstairs, grabbed my little zip drive, which was like, I just hadn't finalized anything. I hadn't, hadn't like worked out the introduction to the talks. I always try to change the intro a little bit and uh, just shot up there and, and did it. And it was, it was uh, very stressful.
0: <laughs> do you think that, uh, did, <laughs> did you get off to a rough start because of that? Or do you no. think you actually did better because you didn't overthink you
1: know, it? That's a good point. It, it, It made it so that it wasn't awkward. There was no awkwardness at the beginning. It was just like a big joke that I can't believe I almost missed this. (laughs) And here I am, and we're starting 10 minutes late, and my slides aren't really on the screen yet because I just handed the stick to the guy to put it in. (laughs) So that actually did sort of maybe ease the tension. But the the downside of that was that then this talk, which really was a long one anyway. It it had an hour and 15 minutes, and this this talk filled a lot of that space. So starting 10 minutes late, I had to go really fast, which meant – speaking very quickly which I tend to do anyway so uh, I don't know but it, it all it went very well people seemed to be very happy with it and uh, I was I was grateful that people hung around and waited for me to get there
0: <laughs> at least you weren't in the casino that would have been, I, <laughs> I thought it, been cause really I,
1: I was in the casino the night before that wearing this this bright orange orioles uh, Hawaiian shirt that I have so very visibly <laughs> in the casino and I I thought it too late I, I should have that would have been a great joke to open the talk with that I was that I was hungover or that I still hadn't pulled myself away from the roulette table or <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, that's uh, funny.
1: No. So anyway, it was a great time. And uh, I think I'll be back again next year. I don't know for sure, but I, I believe that will happen. And uh, I hope anyone who is listening to this and has wondered about that cruise will consider coming next year. Because this was the most fun I've had on it. Uh, and I'm hoping to come back maybe even with Aaron and the kids and do a full oh. family affair. So Great. Anyway, yes. so that's that. Check out Holistic Holiday at Sea. Uh, If you tell them Nomad Athlete referred you, I I think you can already book for next year. Then uh, you'll get some kind of onboard credit, and I will get credit as well. So anyway, that is that. Had to cram some sort of advertisement into this.
0: Yeah, you know. (laughs) Uh, Okay,
1: well, Doug, let's, uh, let's get you back to rest, and let's get ourselves to our episode today
0: sounds good we will be back i will be resting all weekend so we're back in full force next week yes
1: we did not quit the podcast or anything like that we
0: were
1: because i don't think we've ever or in a long time missed two weeks in a row right and we almost did this week and people who usually we put them out on thursday so people who came on thursday would have seen two misses but it's disappointed i know so hopefully hopefully we've salvaged
0: those people with a replay episode here that's right
1: and a pretty long intro now
0: yeah you know we could actually just make this them so <laughs> be all right well let's
1: wrap it up thanks everyone we'll be back next week normally all
0: right okay. all right Bye. matt yesterday i sat down to watch my daily cartoons and uh what do you know but there was matt fraser in cartoon form <laughs> on my on my computer screen so you watch daily cartoons on the computer doug <laughs> every day isn't that what you Not do? that
1: surprising to me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you read the world news that you do, and then hit the comic page, right? <laughs>
0: That's exactly right. Yep.
1: <laughs> yes, I uh, I am a cartoon, and uh, and my children are cartoons too, which is which is kind of fun. We made a promotional video for our new supplement, which we're calling Compliment, um, and made a little cartoon cartoon video for it, a whiteboard video. Yeah, it was, and, it was uh, fun. Was, it was fun. It was fun to fun to have a video. Yeah, <laughs> <And> <laughs> uh, I, my, my kids actually asked me if they were I was going to show them, and I said, well, "We have this cool cartoon video that we made for compliment." And uh, they said, "Are we in?" I said, "Yeah, I think you kind of might be." And I was just thinking there were these vague families in the thing, and then the very first frame of it, which I had seen before, I just it just didn't register for some reason. Is me running with two kids, uh-huh. and that's uh, and that's my character in it Which it's funny that I just didn't. I don't know why. I just I was I was looking at it with a critical eye, I guess, before that, and trying to get all the pieces right and tell the designer what we had to fix, and it didn't really occur to me that that was that that was the kids. So
0: <laughs> I, I started watching it, and they introduced you and and the other Matt and Pamela, and, and I went back and I was like, I, I actually rewound, and I was like, hey, there's there's Holden and Hillary.
1: Yeah, what kids get to be in their own little cartoon when they're only whatever they are, <laughs> seven and four. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So it was fun, um, and that. Uh, more fun than that, perhaps, is that we actually did get the product shipped in the bottle, and it looks nice, like anything else you would see, you know, on the shelf of a store. So I think it's really cool if you if you go to lightdrop.io because that's the company's name is lightdrop. Uh, you can actually see the video and much other stuff. So anyway, Doug, weekend update. I know we've been doing some weekend updates recently because they're that's what we do. We need weekend um, update
0: music, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like news music
1: the weekend i say is so terrible content which is why it always makes me chuckle because all this <laughs> is saying what we did over the weekend uh the most significant thing i did over the weekend i think is uh i i got out some italian cookbooks and i've been doing this getting non-vegan italian cookbooks and just veganizing things because you can find a lot of good vegetable dish recipes that don't take almost any effort to veganize and uh i went to the store i started finding recipe after recipe and i wrote them down i said up I'm gonna go to the grocery store and pick out a few of these. I ended up coming back with 21 recipes, 21 ingredients for recipes, Wow. and I have been plowing through them this week, about three to four per day. They're kind of small vegetable side dishes, yet they still each create two pots and pans and a billion little plates. So <laughs> we've just—it's just been a massive like cooking and then clean up fest each night. Uh, but it's been kind of fun. It's been a little a nice little cooking immersion for me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Yes.
1: So that that was my significant thing. I bought all those recipes. Well, there you go.
0: I. What do we got? We know what you did. I moved to a new house. (laughs) go. (laughs) Big deal. Yeah. That's cool. So this is the first time you've recorded
1: in your new studio.
0: That's right. The first episode in the new studio. Because we're not together, unfortunately. We're doing this via Skype. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, new house. uh, Settling into the new office pretty well. It's very light and... uh, and homey so i feel pretty good about it yeah i don't know if homey you, is the right word but you,
1: comfortable <laughs> good uh you told me that your band equipment had been left behind in the in the old house because you were going to do one more massive party bash <laughs> type of thing right before you left
0: <laughs> well i don't yeah that was kind of the idea but the party <laughs> bash didn't <laughs> didn't really happen well, we did have an epic uh an epic practice this week. Oh yeah, was, yeah. It was turn the amps up to eleven. Oh yeah, we were so loud. We had all the doors and windows open. <laughs> <laughs> it right. was fun. Yeah, um, and then it's moving into moving into another bandmate's basement. Oh okay. Yeah. Good.
1: There you go. Good. <laughs> well, that's exciting stuff. Good weekend update. <laughs> yes, indeed. All yeah. right. So, uh, so what we are doing this week for our episode is. I guess it was inspired by larger plans to do more rules episodes. Because one of our most popular ones has been this episode. I forget the exact name of it. 10 rules for whatever. Living your best life or something, yeah, right?
0: Live your happy and healthiest life or something like okay.
1: that. So basically rules that we made up that we said these are important things. And people have liked it, and they are good rules. I've, I think we even replayed it once, and and it's a good one. Uh, but we said we should do that. We should do those rules episodes for other topics, like for for running specifically or for food specifically. And we're going to do that, but we figured before we get into that, we would do something a little different, a little different spin on that, which is rules that you can, or quote unquote rules that you can safely ignore.
0: Mm-mm. Ignore? Add right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. I know. We're, we're keeping it edgy. So <laughs> uh,
1: so that's what we're doing today. We are doing running rules, running rules that you can safely, totally Ignore rules that we don't like. Myth busting, you might call this.
0: Yeah, because with anything, with running or food or mindset or anything, there's kind of these uh rules that get passed along from like beginner to beginner. It seems of you know you should you should do do this. You should follow um, your progress this way. And, and I uh, think
1: you know what I even think.
0: Sorry to interrupt, Doug. I think I think even the advanced to beginner
1: because I think the advanced person likes to protect their advanced status right and and they want to give beginners rules like oh be careful don't do this because it's dangerous and i know from all my infinite wisdom now that this is to be avoided right and so it yeah. sort of might be might be the advanced trying to protect themselves
0: <laughs> maybe so maybe keep so. The little guy down um but right, you know some, and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're important but most of them are good but the ones we're going to talk about today and over the next episodes along these same lines are uh, are not good they're busted right. <laughs> nice
1: <laughs> i don't think we can use the word myth busting by the way i didn't mean to say that these are uh what, what's the name for a myth <laughs> false falsity falsehood falsehood breaking <laughs> is what we're doing <laughs> Okay. um <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right so doug why don't you oh by the way i should i should mention i uh i have not gotten back into running yet but i'm i'm having a lot of thoughts about doing that
0: and i so
1: hold on
0: i thought yes. you were had gotten back into it you that was just I, got, I got i little... got back
1: into it as a as a sort of stress beating stress busting thing uh my my neighborhood is just set up so poorly for running like we just we we're in the sort of you have to take these sort of mountainous mm. kind of roads to get back to our neighborhood. So there, there is no running from my door anywhere outside of our one-third of a mile loop around our neighborhood. It's like I can do yeah. that loop over and over. And it has some nice hills on it, but I, I just can't. If I'm going to get into, like, doing running and, like, you know, go for a run for an hour, i got to drive somewhere to do it.
0: Yeah, so, that, and that road coming into your neighborhood is pretty busy.
1: Yeah, you can't. It it's just too small of a shoulder. You just can't really run on it. Uh-huh. Safety, anyway so anyway it's a, it's like this there's this hump now for me to actually get over that says running is going to become a big enough part of my life again that i'm now willing to drive 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever to get to a nice spot to run and then go running and that that's a little bit of a hurdle with kids and work and everything else you know it's just it's just one of those little things that gets in the way so that's the hump i'm not over yet i'm, I'm doing some running around my neighborhood but i haven't really like ventured out yeah but anyway i'm just and what it takes for me to do that i i know is is a race goal right like the, the role the goal of de-stress myself or do this because it's good for me that is enough to get me running around the neighborhood that's not enough though to get me like you know driving and, and make this a big thing i'm doing so i'm just trying to think about races again and i i have a few exciting ideas that i'm not gonna put out there yet because i don't know if they're they're gonna you know become real or significant but uh just wanted to put that out there that i'm i'm i mean although you doug the highly acclaimed running coach we all know you're into running and, and can speak intelligently about myth busting uh or i should falsehood breaking uh you know i, I just wanted to um, let people know that i am i am kind of swinging back that direction slow ever so slowly but surely
0: that's that's good i'm glad to hear it and that i should i should report it. anyone who follows rocker runner would know this but um i don't think you really follow rocker runner <laughs> so so I, should...
1: I saw your yesterday's blog post please or not
0: oh you did okay <laughs> um well uh about about running gels yeah okay um well uh I've I've been going through a bit of a slump the past few months. I don't know if we really talked about this uh, on the podcast or even in person, but uh, my running slump has been very real and probably the biggest running slump I've ever I've ever been in. Oh, we've not talked about that. And uh, and I am officially coming out this week. Has been my comeback week. Um, I'm getting back into a regular routine. Run the past five days in a row, and mm-hmm. um, and am just feeling really good and excited. I signed up for a hundred miler this week wow which one the hellbender 100 it's a brand new 100 here in north carolina in the mountains like right outside black mountain go up on the on the mount mitchell range and all back in those in those mountains wow and when is that it's in april okay so good yeah good. i'm feeling pretty pumped and i'm
1: yeah that's exciting that's a big that's a big move to just come out of a running slump five days and then sign up for a hundred miler yeah
0: well um you know but the well the running slump had, had really started before you rock so I mean, it's been kind of a, a long one for me mm-hmm. uh. good
1: good the new new home new digs Is that what has inspired the the turning over a new leaf coming maybe. back to running
0: maybe yeah i don't know i'm just feeling that's ready. It. i mean
1: yeah that you shake something up like that and it, i think it generally has positive ripples through your life
0: mm-hmm.
1: all right good well then, Doug, as our as our award-winning, highly acclaimed running coach, who's now signed up for another hundred miler, uh, why don't you start us off? What's a rule that we should all avoid? Ignore.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off with um. I'm gonna start us off with kind of the fluff one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, That's what they say. With any time you're doing a list piece of content,
1: start off with your fluff.
0: Just, no. No, not that. It, not that this is not an important one, but but uh. Just because I think that people need to hear it, and um, I was running with with my cousin the other day, and and we were talking about headphones, and we, we were talking about um, running, and, and and he was like, you know, I, I just when I'm racing, I have to wear headphones. I'm not like I'm not like you, real runners who who can go without wearing headphones. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, it kind of took me aback, because I think that a lot of people think that if if you wear headphones you're not really a running purist you're not uh, you're not loving running for the sake of running and and I think some people kind of feel guilty about that especially new runners mm-hmm. or, or people who um, you know who maybe want to take running more seriously but but need that extra motivation from the music or from a podcast or whatever and and I want to bust that or I want to phosphor false- whatever. (laughs) I don't want anyone to ever feel guilty about, uh, wearing headphones when they're running. Yeah. I think there are some safety times when you shouldn't wear headphones or you should leave one out. Um, but as far as motivation and enjoyment of the run, I don't care if you're wearing headphones or not. Uh, I think that if you're just out there running, whatever, whatever you need to do to to enjoy yourself is, is the important one.
1: Yeah, well, I, I agree with that, Doug, and I'm glad to hear you say that. For some reason, I had it in my head that you were one of those purists who who thought it was not a that it wasn't right to wear headphones.
0: No, sometimes I do. Sometimes I listen to podcasts or audiobooks or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But most, lots of times, I don't wear headphones. And uh, and he was right about that. And most of the time, I, I do run without them. And most of the time, I run and enjoy the woods and enjoy that experience uh, without the headphones better. And I never race with them but i have i don't look down upon anyone who who does do that all the time right um because really
1: who cares like i mean why should i care what 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 you say about how i enjoy this experience right, right. like, like right? Yes. not not you but just anyone like who who cares if i if you think i shouldn't do that cuz it's not it, but you're right if it's endangering somebody then that's a different story altogether but yeah. but if it's if you're just saying you shouldn't you shouldn't run with headphones because then you're missing the point you're missing out on it i think that's dumb
0: right so so there good. you go so good good that, falsehood broken falsehood broken
1: all right give me a, give. let's go with a non fluff one
0: okay all right another one uh and this is one that i learned very early on in my running career or, or heard very early on in my running career um i was training for my first marathon in 2009 i believe it was and um and my brother-in-law who is a college collegiate cross-country runner and has gone on to run many marathons, um, asked how long I was going to go without uh, before, a- after the marathon, how long I was going to take off before before running again. Because I already had some other races that I had signed up for and was excited about. And um, and I said, I don't know. And I hadn't really thought about it. And he said, well, you know, the rule is that for every mile that you race, you're supposed to take a day off. So if you race a 10K, you're supposed to take, Six miles, or which is six miles. Right. You're supposed to take six days off. If you race a marathon, you're supposed to take 26 days off. Okay. Um, and uh, and I don't know if that's off completely, but off from any sort of serious training, any sort of serious speed work or anything like that. And I looked it up, and um, Jack Foster, who was the Masters Marathon World Record holder, mm-hmm. um, or was, anyway, uh, for a long time, is the one who came up with that rule. And... And it's something that uh, people have been sharing. It's like all over the place. I looked it up yesterday and it's like all over the place. And, and for a while, I thought that that was true. I no longer think that's true. And I think that that is, uh, if anyone is following that, I, I would encourage them not to, unless you need to, unless you feel like you need to. But um, nowadays, people are racing so much and they're using, and I encourage this, use races as training races for whatever big race you have. Um, and if you were taking these big chunks of time off after each of these training races, it would just take forever and you'd lose so much fitness, you'd lose so much of what right. you gained from those races. So, uh, you know, in my, uh, my kind of philosophy is that most races take about a week to, to recover, maybe 10 days. If it's a longer one, um, you know, something like a hundred miler is going to take a lot longer, but you know, if you're running a half, marathon, three months, hundred days, hundred days, three months <laughs> <laughs> now, but you know, I mean, it, it'll just take longer for your legs to, to bounce back, but um, but even, you know, even the, the week after your, your race, you should be going out there moving and kind of shaking out your legs and, and uh, getting going. So I don't think that you need to take any significant time off at all after most races. And, uh, and the more, the quicker you can bounce back and the quicker you can recover and get back to training, the bigger gains you're going to see.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a good point, Doug. I think, uh,
0: I mean, I, so I, I agree
1: in a couple ways. I think, I think first of all, we obviously need some little bit of time off after a hard race, right? It's just, it's just you typically don't want to run the next day because it hurts too much and mm. and you will naturally take time off. And the same with probably the next two or three days after, after a hard marathon. Um, but I, I do think in general there's this, and maybe this theme will develop as we go through more of these, I, I think there's this theme of caution. And maybe this is what I was talking about with like the expert trying to kind of like Make the beginner think this is harder than it is or, or be taken more seriously than it really needs to be um, or like, you know, given more respect than it than it maybe deserves. This idea that like, you know, running has to destroy your body and, and therefore you should never try to do more than two marathons in a year. If you do it more than that, you're crazy. And just and another one that I'll talk about in a bit. But uh, I think I think that's a good a good point. That, that it's much better rather than just listen to a rule like that, like actually listen to your body and just notice how quickly you've recovered. And it, it varies depending on your age and how what type of diet you eat and a billion other factors. So I think much much smarter is just pay attention to things. Uh, I would also encourage anyone to seriously question any type of rule that sounds so simple and wonderful like that, <laughs> like oh, it's just one day for every single mile of the race. Um, yeah. You know, like that—that that is something someone obviously made up, and it spreads because it is—it's—it's it's like appealing that that something would fit so nicely as that rule. Um, this, you know, you, you may know this, Doug, that like marketing types, uh, or persuaders, influencer types, they, they will. There's all kinds of sleazy tactics people do, and some of some of them you can you can do in a non sleazy way, but um, there's this thing that like if something rhymes you know, remember this was a Ben Stiller quote that we, I don't think it was from a long Came Polly like we talked about a couple movies ago maybe it was uh, that if it rhymes it must be true thing uh-huh remember yeah. that ha- I think it was happy wife happy life and I think Ben Stiller said yeah if it rhymes it must be true um, <laughs> I don't know if it was that movie or not or any of uh, many similar Ben Stiller movies uh, but that is a that's a thing if if something rhymes people are more likely to believe it as true so if we hear some age-old bit of wisdom that has been passed down and it rhymes it's partly because it rhymes that's why we're hearing it nowadays because something about the rhyming makes us believe that something about it is true Mm -hmm. so if you hear a rhyming bit of advice i would i would give that a second
0: thought as well general (laughs) like do you have any other good examples that come to mind i'm trying to think of some
1: um Michael Pollan has a couple because he's he, that's what he does in his Food Rules book. Uh, the whiter your bread, the sooner you'll be dead. <laughs> kind of a <laughs> apparently, like Italian grandmothers say that. Yes. <laughs> it's like an odd thing, but uh, maybe maybe they're into that. <laughs> uh, other, let's see, other other rhyming things. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. Oh, there you go. Maybe a little too young for that one, Doug. Right. I'm familiar with it, although I'm actually, sure. I, I actually don't, I never heard that on TV or anything, but no. I know it was an old ad slogan. I'm sure our audience can think of a million other examples that we're just blanking on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that running really any of this stuff lends itself. I mean, people just, uh, you know, when they write books, when they uh, give advice, they like to have something that's straightforward that everyone can easily understand. And I think that this was one of those rules that uh, is easy to understand. And, um, and obviously, just kept getting passed down, and uh, and people kept hearing it, but sure. um, but it's not it's not something I would really hold <laughs> and fast. <laughs> right. And
1: another good example. This is actually not a rule that I think you have to ignore. But another good, good example of something that I think we should just kind of give serious question to because of how nice it looks uh, is the Yasso 800s mm. rule as a, as a marathon predictor. Yeah. And for those who don't know, that's like a, with Yasso 800s, you either run, and it's not even a like agreed upon amount, but if you can run, uh, what is it, eight or ten or? Do you know the number, Doug? Eight, oh, 800s, yeah, yeah. eight hundred. Eight, eight hundred meter. I guess you'd not sprints, but intervals, and and then who knows how long you rest in between those. That itself is also a question. Some people say you walk for however long it took you to do the last one. Some people say you just do it till you feel like you can run again. Um, but anyway, if if you can do those in in say each one of them in three hour, or three minutes and twenty seconds, then theoretically. Ah, uh, you can run a marathon in three hours and 20 minutes. So you just shift the colon over, uh, and and that p- provides marathon estimates that are too—they're overly optimistic, I think, for most people. Uh, but anyway, so you so you could adjust it and say, well, then you have to do 10 of them or 12 of them. and We could try to adjust that, but I just don't think that's the way to predict marathon performance. We we don't need something that that uh, easy to remember as a rule of thumb. There are lots of other more scientific things you could do yeah so anyway
0: and and i think that's kind of too bad and and really for any of these rules it's kind of too bad because it then gets in people's head that they all they have to do is is master the 800 right <laughs> you know um and uh or or that they get then they get disappointed because they just they know that they can nail the 320 800s uh but then they just they get out on the marathon and and bonk because they haven't worked on their nutrition or whatever and um you know cross the line 20 minutes later right Um, but all right well then I
1: have one that's not uh, this is not too different from those but it's it's also not quite the same Um, the 10% rule
0: Mm.
1: which is probably the only one of our our quote-unquote rules that actually is called a rule and uh, this it is known far and wide as the 10% rule among runners Um, it's not that we've probably talked about this on the podcast it's not that the 10% rule is never right for those who don't know the 10% rule is the general rule of thumb that you should not add more than 10% uh, to your mileage week after week, and that you can safely add 10% to your mileage week after week. I think that's how most people interpret it. So if you're building yourself a marathon training program, at least the way I always did it when I believed this was look at my total mileage in week one and add 10%, and that would be my mileage in week two, and just max out the 10% rule each time. Um, the the problem, of course, comes is I mean it, I think there is probably a range of mileage relative to what you're comfortable doing where the 10% rule is probably the appropriate amount of mileage you can add in a week. Uh, but for most people near the beginning of their training, when you're kind of getting back into running after an injury, uh, or just getting back into it after a long layoff, it's way too conservative. So if you, if you start running 10 miles, like after an injury and 10 miles, you know, three, three mile runs in the week is all you can run. But, but just six months ago you were running 40 miles in a week. Uh, you know, it'll take you years to get up to forty miles again. Maybe, maybe not years, but it'll take you almost a full year to get up to to forty miles again if you only add ten percent to your mileage each week. Um, so the the way around that is figure out what your what's called your baseline mileage. Like what what is the amount of mileage that you have in recent memory run comfortably without you know totally maxing out the amount of mileage you could run um, or totally putting your body under tremendous stress. And then know that you can be way more aggressive with your mileage as you're coming back from something up until you reach that baseline. And then you need to start maybe thinking about this 10% rule. Similarly, once you've started running, like once you're approaching peak mileage for yourself, to be adding 10% in a week starts to become crazy. Because you're, you, let's say your peak was 50, then if, if in the next week after running your lifetime maximum mileage of 50, you were to run 55 miles, and then the next week you run 60 and a half miles, you're just you're you're approaching ridiculous very quickly and and in and, and two months from now you're running 100 miles or something a week so it's just a weird rule it's, it's something that i think like maybe there's if we can use it the right way and just think about it as a general guideline then it's useful but but to be kind of relied on as like the the, the number that you must hit and, and don't go over and don't fall short of it uh to me that is that is faulty thinking
0: absolutely i, I... Completely agree. I think that it it really only applies to this kind of sweet spot as you're building off of your your base, or you know your kind of what do you right. call it <laughs> baseline baseline. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as you're building off of that baseline, that that's really the only time that um, it really applies into its truest form of of ten adding ten percent. So if you were if you could comfortably run ten miles and you're training for your first uh, marathon, then you know as you're building up into those longer runs um, you know, then the 10 rule, might the 10, 10% rule might apply on those weeks. But, um, the other thing is that you shouldn't always be adding, even, even before you've hit your max, you shouldn't always be adding 10% each week. You know, we, we've talked before about having these kind of off weeks and down weeks where you're, um, right. you're cutting back mileage slightly to recover. Um, uh, and I think that some people think that they're supposed to just add 10% every week, week after week, because that's what the rule says. So, Um, there is, it, it does apply to some, to some degree to people who are building up in, in, uh, in distance, but, um, you know, it's really only the sweet spot where I would rely on it. Right. Good. All right. I've got a couple
1: more, but Doug, why don't you, why don't you take it?
0: All right. I've got, got break a falsehood for us. (laughs) I read an article yesterday or two days ago, maybe that, um, was, Titled "The Gear You Need to Start Running Trails." okay and I clicked it and uh, looked through the gear and uh, added up all the prices, and it was over seven hundred dollars worth of gear. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, "Man, if I was interested in trail running, and I looked at this because it didn't look like that outlandish of stuff. I mean, it wasn't like crazy gadgets or or anything like that. It was just kind of it was like a hydration pack and all this and and trail shoes and." Uh, shorts that had extra pockets and a headlamp and you know all this kind of stuff like that. But when you added it all up, it was like $700 worth of stuff. And if I had read that and uh, thought that I really needed all this stuff to start running trails, I would have been so disappointed. And there's no way I would have ever gone out and do that. So the rule I'm busting here um, is that you need trail-specific stuff to to start running trails. You need trail-specific gear to to run trails. Um, And that is absolutely a falsehood. Uh, you don't need anything that you that you wouldn't ha- already have for running on the road to run on the trails. Um, of course, there are gear and there are shoes and there are things that will make it easier if you start taking it more seriously. But I have seen many people run ultra marathons, trail ultra marathons, even some tough ones and muddy ones in road shoes and uh, in whatever kind of gear they would have had for for running on the road. And so using gear as a... Uh, as an excuse or <laughs> using gear as a reason to not try trail running, um, is, is nothing more than ex- an excuse in my opinion. Yes. Good.
1: Or being a blogger, using that as an excuse to make affiliate sales or, uh, or a company <laughs> telling people you have to have this stuff to run. That, I mean, that is crazy. You're right. That's, that's dumb and silly. And, uh, it seems like trail running should be the opposite of that. Right. Like, hmm I mean, it would be, I don't know if this is really true or not, but it'd be nice to think of trail running as something where you could get by with less gear than you could in the road. It's more of a, I don't know, like more you're kind of just returning to nature situation and you could you could go a little more minimal with some of your shoes. This might not be true. I mean, it depends on what your philosophy is. Some people do. Some people, I know I didn't really start doing my... The Vibram five fingers, I didn't start really enjoying those until I started doing some trail running, mm. and that's when I was able to start having less shoe because uh, you get the softer dirt. Although there are some rocks and things, but uh, you know they, they, you could handle those surprisingly with, with those shoes. Um, but yeah, I think of trail running as this more primal thing, and it's kind of nice to think that you wouldn't need seven hundred dollars worth of REI gear. No, not REI. Uh, was, <laughs> have you done some sort of sponsorship with them, Doug? <laughs> i have yes yeah
0: <laughs> you, right. you can't out me matt i mean <laughs> or not not out me but you can't make them mad at me no um but you didn't i didn't mean, I, didn't mean to get, I just meant i just meant deer in general from any trail retailer yeah i mean you don't i mean and of course i i would hope that or i would never and and uh i would hope that rei would never encourage a, a blogger to um to say otherwise of course they would not yeah Um,
1: Because they're the ones who close their doors on Black
0: Friday, right? That's right, which is not not at all a marketing campaign. (laughs) 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 Just for the love of the outdoors. Alright, good. Um, You need
1: to stop being sponsored by these companies, Doug, because you're limiting our ability to (laughs) cite different company names. Oh, man. Alright, so I have another one, Doug, that I think you will probably agree with. Um, And this is a rule. I don't know where I heard this rule, but I definitely got it in my head in the first five years of being a runner, and that was the rule that you can't run every day, that you need to have days off in mm. your routine, and that if anyone tries to run every day in the week, they are going to hurt themselves, and they are crazy. And when I put up, I guess it was probably, I've seen a comment on something, we've written, I don't know where it was, probably the running streak post on Nomad Athlete, um, and somebody just wrote back and said like, yeah, this is this is dangerous though for runners, because you can't run every day, or you're gonna get injured. Um, That is, that is really not very true at all. I don't think, you know, speaking of sort of the return to nature idea, I just, you know, like, yeah, you can't do a hard workout every single day or you will certainly get injured like eventually, I don't know when, but, but within some amount of time, your body will not be able to keep up with that uh, if you don't let it recover. But if you treat running as something that doesn't have to be physically draining, uh, and this is what I mean by kind of a more natural way where maybe like it takes the form of of something that isn't all that much more strenuous than a than a hard walk is. And I think anyone who's who's done, you know, really adequately slow running um, where it is truly that conversational pace and you're in, in the recovery zone and you're you know, you're not letting your heart rate get above whatever number you're using. But 65 percent of max um, is is typically what I would use for that. You you discover that you can run every day because it's it it's so little effort on your body. I mean you're you're doing something and that and there's something good about it. You're putting in these miles and you're teaching your body to run just by getting these miles in. Um, and there's and there's probably a recovery benefit. You probably in some way maybe stimulate the recovery by doing this. Uh, although I guess you could argue about that point. Um, but you find it is quite easy to do that every day. I found like like when like when I stopped my running streak, it had nothing to do with with being injured or feeling like I couldn't run anymore. It was just that I got tired of doing that. Um, And you ran, I I did mine, I think I didn't actually, I I know that it lasted 50 days because I wrote a blog post then. I know it also went a few weeks past that and I actually didn't keep a careful, or don't remember at what day it actually stopped, but it was 74, 75 in that area. Uh, But you did yours for much, much longer. And
0: uh, you also ran every day for well over a year, right? 420 something days. There you go. Oh, you know the exact number, Doug. You must. I actually don't. I don't. I, I can find it really quickly though, because <laughs> I have a tattooed on my leg. <laughs> just kidding. Uh,
1: then I'd be surprised if you didn't know what it was. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I just. Yeah, 442. I think again.
0: Forty-two. Oh man, even more. Wow, you were way off. Yeah.
1: So there you go. Four hundred forty-two days is the limit at which someone can run before they get hurt every day. <laughs> Yeah, but you weren't hurt, right? You just stopped because you got married or something. right?
0: That's right. right. I, I, the whole point was to do it up until my wedding day, and so that's that's when I stopped. You know, and I think that um, I mean, there's there's people who've been running every day for years and years and years. Uh, I, you know, I think the rest days are important, but I think you can rest while running. I mean, you can have kind of recovery days, uh, active recovery days that that give you many of the same benefits. Uh, and it depends a lot on what you've done. Throughout the week, uh, other workouts you've done, and how you approach those those runs. But going out and running every day is not uh, not necessarily something I would recommend for everyone all the time, as they're training for a marathon or an ultra marathon or something like that. But uh, right. you can certainly do it and uh, stay and do it in a way that keeps you healthy and keeps you injury free.
1: Yeah, I don't mean at all to imply that it's the optimal or most effective way to train for something or to get faster or to increase your mileage. Like it's probably none of those things. Uh, for me, its use was it it was something different to focus on that was a totally different way of running a way of thinking about running than I'd ever done before and uh and, and it was fun and I guess because you think you can't do it every day that's mm-hmm. what made it so exciting to actually start to rack up the you know be in the 20s and 30s and 40s of days consecutive running it was kind of cool to be able to do that and then start to feel like you're doing it and you're not really stressing your body at all because I was running easy almost every single day I was doing it I wasn't doing any workouts in there um the obviously the more you're actually doing workouts, pushing your, pushing your mileage or your pace or just intensity for whatever reason, um, the more valuable an actual rest day will probably start to become. And and I, right. for the record, I think you should take one or two days completely off in a week if you're trying to optimally train for something. Uh, but you totally can run every day, uh, safely. It's just, you just got to make sure you're running easy enough.
0: Right. Exactly. All, All right. right. So I got, a, I got a couple more. I don't know how many you have. And... I've got
1: a couple of vague ones after this, some fluff ones. Okay.
0: I, I, gotta, I, gotta think I got a good one here, and that is that um, I think after Born to Run, everyone's mind, everyone shifted their perspective of running shoes in that less is better, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's when the Vibrant Five Fingers that we talked about earlier were kind of had their heyday, Um that is, uh, when the minimalist craze just exploded across all major brands and, uh, and in turn created new brands. I mean, the, the Luna sandals and all these kind of other people who, uh, weren't around before the whole, uh, Barefoot Ted wasn't around before that. Well, no, I mean the companies, <laughs> okay. uh, that you weren't, you weren't seeing people racing in, in sandals, I don't think before Born to Run you very might. often, um. In America, anyway, right in the Copper Canyon, you were. Yes, you were, of course, in the Copper Canyon. But you weren't. You weren't there, though. I was not. No, no, no nobody, nobody was. was. <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> right now, there's no trailblender <laughs> uh, But anyway, this this whole idea that less shoe is more is better um, is uh, it really exploded? And I think that people are starting to kind of accept or or understand that that's not always true. And um, and that so that's I want to just go ahead and. Since we're the definitive, definitive voice of, and, and running, <laughs> go ahead and, and say that yeah. uh, less is not always better. I think that there are times when less shoe is good, and that for some people it works really well. And I certainly think that the um, that the reduction in heel to toe drop uh, it doesn't have to be zero drop. Doesn't have to be uh, you know the same from heel to toe. Um, But, you know, I think that the reduction from that kind of 12, 16 millimeter drop that was was popular before Born to Run, uh, you know, closer to six and and eight, something like that uh, is definitely helpful and healthy for most runners. But um, I think that padding is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Cushioning is not necessarily a bad thing um, for certain runners and and it will help you, it'll help certain runners a lot. So I think that the moral of the story here and the, (laughs) the rule that I want to break is that less can be more, but more can be more as well. And you have to figure out what shoe is comfortable for you and what shoe works for you, uh, in the long haul. Yes. Agreed, Doug. Uh,
1: I have a couple, a couple responses to this. First of all, we are nothing if not the definitive source for all things running, right? We, we that that everyone knows we are that. We are we are the yep. only good source to listen to when it comes to running advice. Yeah, I'm
0: pretty sure that it <laughs> says that in the in the encyclopedia. In- I think Rodderbrook <laughs> right. has a whole section about Naminati Radio actually. Right.
1: Yes. Um, okay. So Second of all, um, <laughs> no, I guess, I guess to be, to be clear, although we're sacrificing some of our edge here, I should have, uh, acknowledge we are not that That is as a joke. And of course we think we're not that. <laughs> um, I, so another thing, so this is to, to do another corporate tie in here. Uh, I think ultra ALTRA, and this is speaking as a non-sponsor thing. I know Doug, you've had some sort of sponsorship arrangement with them in the past, or maybe now, I don't even know, but for me, I have not had that. And, uh, I think they've gotten it right. They they have kept the zero drop thing. They have allowed the foot to be spread out more. Um, but Golden Harper, who is our friend, who's been on our podcast at least once, maybe even twice now, um, you know, he said, like, he, he's pointed out, like, that the minimalist thing or, or the zero drop... The minimalist doesn't necessarily mean no cushioning. That we started to... Um, maybe I'm missing up the terms here. That he... What was it? The, the minimalist he said it was wrong to assume that minimalist and zero drop were synonyms, right? Right. That you, that you shouldn't can't have zero drop in a shoe that isn't minimalist. That's, that's what I meant to say or should have said. Um, so what they've done is they've maintained that They've, they've kept the zero drop philosophy and the bigger toe box. So your foot can spread out more. Uh, but said, what happens if we do that, but still have some cushioning? And I think that's why they make shoes that, that both of us like a lot. Um, so anyway, I think that's a really good point. It's, uh, it's, the zero drop thing seems like it just fundamentally sounds so does the letting your foot have some room so these things that like basically avoiding removing restrictions on where your foot can move and and that's kind of what the 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 non-zero drop things did they sort of put your foot in a certain position is that it has to be in this position when it lands so i think removing those things is good but uh but you're right that there there certainly are some some applications where having more shoe, and I use that means cushioning, but but who knows, maybe there's some other feature of a shoe that you might want more of it sometimes. Um, you know, that's not a, it's not a universally bad thing to have more. Um, and I think this is another one of those kind of purest things, right? Like someone just thinks that you're not running correct. Like it just, you start to feel guilty for having a, a big shoe of whatever, whatever that means. Um, in the same way that you might feel guilty about wearing your headphones. And I think that's I think that's bad. I think we should not have these things where we, where we feel like now we're not we're not properly running or running to its full extent if we're not doing it in bare feet. you know I think uh, I think it's nice to just let people run how they how they want
0: yeah and and I would encourage people um, <laughs> speaking of letting people run how they want, I would encourage you to <laughs> to have multiple shoes at least two pairs of shoes that um, maybe have different amounts of cushioning and maybe even different amounts of drop uh, or they're all the same, that that's fine too. Um, but uh, you know, like maybe you have a a shoe that has a larger stack height, um, and has more cushioning or, and you have a more minimalist shoe and you kind of mix them up and do different runs and, and have that variety, because I think that is only going to be good for your foot strength and your legs and keeping you injury free, um, to have that variety within your running.
1: Right. Speaking of not needing a lot of equipment to do something as simple as running. <laughs> we think you should have four different
0: types of shoes, to <laughs> rotate through. <laughs> you know, so we we got married uh, what a year and a half ago or whatever. We cleaned out our mm-hmm. cleaned out our um, our house and gave away a bunch of stuff. And then when we moved, we did another round of it, uh, which I think you and I have talked about and how good it yep. feels to kind of redo that after you've already done it. And even the second round, so giving away uh giving away stuff before this move last week i gave away 13 pairs of running shoes oh my gosh yeah that's a lot doug and i'd already given away like i don't know over 10 the first time
1: wow are are these going to some worthy cause or are they going to doug's ebay account to give
0: away? <laughs> no no they're going to the local running store here in black mountain shout out to vertical runner black mountain um uh does uh they give them to one of the people who collect running shoes and uh helps people you know i don't know i don't know if it's homeless or low income or some some something provides shoes for for people who are looking to run who can't afford them
1: nice very nice good okay um on to the next here's one that is that i i think is probably a good rule but i I, I really wanted to question this one (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) that's not how this one works (laughs) (laughs)
1: i'm I'm being transparent i'm saying i'm just this is pointing out we're not just out to bust the rules and 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 not uh you know we're not here just to be contrarian and say that all this stuff is false there's some actual good rules so i was thinking though every time you read a, a book about marathon training or want to dive into marathon training or even half marathon training probably ultra training too you read this And by the way, this is kind of headed towards where my next actual one is, Uh, my next rule to ignore is. But there's always this warning at the beginning that says, before doing this program, you should be running 20 to 25 miles per week for 8 or 12 weeks long. Some some always too long amount of time in my estimation when I'm eager to start training. This was in the past when I was really gung-ho about getting into marathon training programs right away and qualifying for Boston. I just did not have any patience at all. And, uh, you know, would pick a race that was 16 weeks away that I could shave two of the weeks off the official training program and get done with zero base. Um, And so I was going to try to say that we should ignore these, but I I don't think you should ignore those. I think those are pretty good things. Like, yeah, you you don't have to have that to start training for something, um, but... I don't know it like yes you could do it but the risk is you'll get eight weeks in or four weeks in and then you get hurt and at, I don't know you'll spin your wheels for a long time and waste a lot of time which is what I did I took all this time to qualify for Boston when I think if I just kind of had some more wisdom around the topic of running uh, which would have been hard a lot to ask of someone who was kind of new at it like I was but if I had if I had understood a little bit more about this and had more experience then I could have done it faster I think. Um, and it was because I didn't have the patience to listen to stuff like this, where it would say, "Spend some time building a strong base before you dive into a program." So I, I wanted to pause here, Doug, and see what you thought about that. Do you think those things are are a good thing? Those those things, or, and are they typically accurate, or are they overly cautious?
0: Um, well, I think it, I think that there's kind of an asterisk behind any answer um, along this. Or nice, Doug. With- Take a stand there. <laughs> <laughs> um all right i'll take a edgy stand. we're all about edginess yeah, yeah all right uh faster <laughs> i trained for my so here's the truth i trained for my very first marathon running about after running about nine miles a week running three mm-hmm. miles on the treadmill three times a week at the gym and then i started i jumped into a beginner training pro- program uh, like a 16 week training or 18 week training program and um and ran my and finished my first marathon was mm-hmm. it uh really incredibly painful was it really hard and did i not come anywhere close to my goal time yes absolutely <laughs> but i made it through and i made it through injury free um so no i don't think that you have to have these like this massive base i think it really depends on what your goals are and if if you haven't you know if you're and what your experience was in the past so if you had a big base at one point and you took a year and a half off and you want to try to get back into it i think it's going to come back a lot more naturally and your body is going to uh, remember what it's like to run that long and what it's like to run that much. Um, and, and it'll be an easier transition for someone who maybe is not a runner now, or like me was running only nine miles a week, um, and wants to jump into something that is going to almost immediately take them up to 20 or more miles per week. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's good if you, if you have real goals, if you have, uh, if you want, if you have the time, the luxury to to do it right, then I absolutely think that you should take advantage of that—a week, eight to twelve weeks—to build your base up. But um, I don't think it's necessary. I think you can do it. I know you can do it. So I'm living proof.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, that that was my experience too, and I I probably had even less base than that when I just jumped into marathon training, and like I, I was. Doing a tiny bit of running for a fitness program, but I wasn't, I didn't start actually running, you know, the three or four, three mile runs per week until I had a marathon training program that got me to do that.
0: Mm.
1: And I got through mine. I did get hurt along the way, uh, but did, did get a finish, and it was very painful, and it wasn't anywhere near my goal time. It had the positive outcome of that it got me started running, and it had, you know, I got a marathon finish as a result, and that made me really excited to keep doing more. Right. So, I guess that that's maybe the, the hesitation I have about saying that you do need this this base because is that someone in my shoes or maybe your shoes, Doug, would always think they need that base, never actually have the patience to create that base because they want to get to the marathon training. And if they believe that you need that base, then they they will therefore never get anywhere. They'll never start training for marathon because they can never get through the eight boring weeks of not increasing your mileage and just building this slow, steady base. So, mm-hmm. that actually segues into my my next one, um, which I guess, and here's where my, like I said, my last few kind of get fluffy here. But, like, I, there's no rule that says you have to run a 5K, then you have to run a 10K, then you have to run a half marathon, then you have to run a marathon, then you can run an ultra, or whatever whatever your real goal is. Um, and not not to...
0: Your no, real goal should be an ultra marathon, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and you should go to com for more information on how to do that. <laughs> Uh, i I don't mean to uh,
1: to belittle those other goals either. like I certainly don't. it really I mean, I we say that all the time. I wonder if people think it is genuine or not, but I, I honestly do. like if 5k is your everest, then awesome. that is that is wonderful. and make that 5k your your ultimate goal and do whatever it takes to make it happen. I don't mean at all ever to say that as small. But I just know when I jumped in, my eye was on marathon. that was what I was excited about. Um, and I had this kind of strange guilt the whole time that I never had run a 5k and never had run a 10 K and never had run a half marathon. It would have been better if I did. Like if I had that experience, I would have avoided a lot of the race day stuff that didn't go very well. Um, But so anyway, my point, this is not a rule. No one ever says you have to do this. For some reason, I got the sense that I should, I got the sense that it was this sort of, maybe not, not an unspoken rule, but an unspoken best practice is You should do the next shortest race distance before you do anything beyond that. So, I, I think that rule's not a good one. I think, yes, you need to train properly for the distance you're running, uh, but if, it, if it's a half marathon that totally inspires you, then I don't think you need to spend the time training for a 5K or a 10K. I think you can skip right to that half marathon so long as you adequately train for it, which just means put in the miles. You're going to do the 5K and the 10K distances in the course of your training, even if they're not as races. Um, but I think this is perhaps clearest in, in ultra marathons. Cause you mentioned born to run. And I've met a lot of people since then who are not interested in running at all. For whatever reason, pick up born to run. Someone recommends it. They actually read born to run and then they want to do ultra marathon running and they want to get right to that. Um, I think for most people, they never do because they think they have to become runners. And I would argue that you probably don't. I think you can do a 50 K. I think you can do a 50 K as your first race, uh, if that's, you know, if, if you've set it as your goal and, and you are smart about it, like, you, yes, you still need to do all the training. You still need to find a proper plan. I'm, I'm not encouraging you to just get into something without knowing anything about it. But to think I have this long road ahead of me that requires me doing 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and it's this four-year plan before I can do my 50K, that to me kills a lot of dreams, that that kind of thinking. It just, it just seems like too much work and waiting before you get to do the thing you want to do.
0: I would agree with that 100%.
1: All right. Good. I was worried that you wouldn't, that you would say that's irresponsible of you, Matt.
0: No, I, I don't think so. I, I think, uh, I think you're exactly right. Um, you know, I, the caveat of course is just that you have to build up. So you got to learn how to run three miles before you can run six miles. Right. right. Um, of course. but, uh, but I don't think you need to go through the 5k plan and then the 10k plan and train for a half marathon and then train for a marathon. Like you can do all that at the same time. Right. I, I, I mean, Certainly, you learn stuff along the way, and that's
1: like I do have hesitation in saying this, like you know, without any exceptions, you should just do Because like, what if someone just is going to do a hundred miler as their first race? <laughs> I mean, like I learned so much in the in the process of running all these other races. Like you learn how bad it feels to go too fast in in a in a marathon and it's just it's the worst feeling in the world when you're when you're at mile 15 and you realize you you can run for about 3 more miles and then you have nothing left. Um so for that to happen in 100 because you'd never learn that lesson that would not be a good thing. Uh, and you would you'd fail, you'd quit your hundred. And I guess one could argue that this is potentially dangerous, right? If you didn't have the experience of knowing how hard it is or like knowing how your body well, see because the person has done the training runs. So that, that's the thing. I'm no, we're no one's saying you should do this without doing the proper training runs for them. Right. So you would know about hydration needs. You would know about electrolytes. You'd know about what kind of fueling needs you have because you would have practiced all this on long runs because right. uh, that, that is unquestionably part of any race. You, you got to do that stuff. So I don't know. I don't know what the limit is. I wouldn't tell someone you should run 100 without first running another race. No, um, I, I wouldn't do that either. But I don't know. Where does that stop? 50K? Marathon? I don't know. Some, somewhere in that distance to me is I wouldn't do much more than that without having done that. But who knows, maybe I'm just being limited in my own beliefs here.
0: Well, I I think that the, what it comes down to is, is the amount of time that it would take. So, you know, I would never, I would never encourage someone who is running nine miles a week and has never run more than nine miles a week to jump into a 100 mile training plan. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a 20 week, a 20 week or 24 week, hundred mile training plan. Right. Like that would be way too much too soon but right. if you took if you took uh, a year or i mean even that's too soon probably but if you took 2 years to slowly build up and be smart about your training runs and go on some really big training runs over the course of a year and a half, 2 years, then you could probably do it. Um, but you would and and you would learn a lot of those lessons through those training runs and through that process you'd learn your to uh, you know how your body reacts to certain workouts and certain long runs and hills and, and whatever. Right. Um, and, but it, it would take a long time, you know, if you, and if you were training for only a or not only a half marathon, maybe you're training for a half marathon instead of a hundred miler Then that, that window would be a lot smaller, um, that would, right. Be, right. would be required. So yeah. I think that y- you don't necessarily have to run races, shorter races, even up to a hundred miles, but it would just, you have to give yourself a lot more time to do that, to train for it. Right.
1: And I think for most people, if you're going to be taking a lot of time to do something, then it typically makes you more excited to put an intermediate race in there, right, rather than sure. rather than delaying your whole journey to do this intermediate race. If you're going to be doing this long journey anyway, and it's going to be taking you a long time, then you might as well put something shorter in there because, it, you know, it just makes it more fun, and it gives you something to look forward to that is only six months down the road instead of two or three years down the road. So that's probably the way to do it, right? Like You don't have to do these things, but if you're going to take the time it takes to train for this... Big thing, whatever the big thing is, then it doesn't hurt to put the shorter race in there, uh, both for your excitement and, and sense of enjoyment as you're doing this, uh, and for the
0: experience that you'll get in doing it. Yes, I would agree, and and I you know, I and mean, I would even take that one step further to say it's better to do it. So you don't have to, do yeah, it, but yeah, it's yeah. better to do it, right? But,
1: to- so, but there's no, but you don't have to follow whatever <laughs> rule there might be in your head that says you have to do every single distance: five k, ten k, half marathon, marathon. 50k 50 mile 100k and then 100 but you can skip some of those if you want yes i know a guy who went from 50k to 100 mile and i thought that was amazing this is when i was just getting into 50ks Mm. and i thought that guy's crazy if he didn't do 50 mile or or 100k um but you know now i I get how he did
0: it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right all right, I got. One, I got. actually I have a. a I'm mean, going back and forth of what to do, but I'm just going to do this one last one because I think it, we should wrap it up after this. Yeah. Uh, um, and I think it's. I think it's a good one for us to end on. And that is that. Uh, that runners should only run. Hmm. Good. Have you heard that rule? Have you ever? Yes,
1: I definitely rule? have. Yeah. Uh, people say, well, you don't. You don't see the the Kenyans or the Ethiopians. You don't see them doing swimming or crossfit right you just see them running because that's that's what they're good at and let's look at what the best people do and we'll do that right and all they do is run
0: so i think that that's that's a common one that gets especially like you were talking about earlier the advanced runners kind of pass that along to their beginner brethren brethren Mm -hmm. and uh and and people can have this idea that if if i want to be a runner i should only be running and i will say that uh you know, for most people, until they have hit their limit, if you want to get better at running, then you should run more, right? But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you should only run. And I think that there is a major value in cross-training. I think that there is a good mental and physical value in in mixing up what you do and and how often you do it, Um, whether that's swimming or cycling or uh, strength training or or anything uh, along those lines, playing soccer or, or something like that. Um, I think that, that that, will benefit you as a runner, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and as you get more serious within a training plan, as you are, you know, deep into a training plan, then you probably want to cut back on that stuff and focus on the running instead. But when you're not in a specific training plan or when you're just in the base building phase or in the first few weeks, um, I think that there is a lot of value in, in doing things other than running. Uh, that are still going to get the heart rate up. That are still going to get your legs moving. Get, they're still going to build strength, um, but aren't going to give you the same pounding or or work your body in the exact same way as running does. Yes, I would agree with you there, Doug.
1: Um, I think the I think the the advice to only run or run as much as you possibly can until you will get hurt if you run more and that's when you should instead that's when you switch to cross training once your mileage is at the point where you can't handle any (laughs) more mileage then you might as well get an aerobic workout in but just do it on a bike or something else Mm -hmm. um i think that's kind of short-sighted advice and i don't mean that it's bad advice i just mean like like if you have a race goal whether it's a new distance or a time like that is the short-term thing to do is that you probably should run as much as you can I don't mean as much as you can, but you know, whatever time and ability your body has to work out, you should do it as do in the form of running, because it's going to help you the most with whatever your short term goal is. And short term might mean a year or two years. I don't mean really short. Um, but now like having a little distance from running myself, um, just having not done that much of it in the past couple of years, I, I kind of wish that during all those years when I was exclusively a runner, like it would have been really nice. It, It would be really nice now if I had kind of built some other fitness habits that weren't running and just had done some other races and had this other base of fitness experience. Um, kind of, kind of just to draw on in terms of like being inspired about something else now, or also I'm thinking for long-term health, like if someone's going to do something for 50 years of their life and that's going to be their, their way of keeping themselves in shape and, and mobile and all that stuff, then it might be a good thing to, or it would be a good thing to kind of diversify that and, and, don't just run. Do some things that develop strength in other areas of your body and in different ways. Uh, so I think I think that's a really good point. I think I think like the people who are really into running and and maybe are short sighted because of it and like that's all they see is running are kind of correct. You should just run if you want to get better at running. But I think if you can kind of step back from that and not be someone who's so immersed in running, the running community and culture, and running is your whole life, then I think you, I, I can appreciate the the advice that we should do other things as well when when possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I meant to mention this earlier, but in certain certain situations for certain people, um, it's it'd be better in general if they did other things and, and cut back on the amount of running. If you're injury prone, if you're coming back from an injury, if you're older and maybe the mileage just becomes too much, you know, it, it, has, you, it takes too long for you to recover from stuff, um, then only running a couple times a week and doing other things, activities instead is is going to be better for you so um not only do i think that it's good for mental health and longevity within the sport um i i think that for certain people it's it's a necessity uh for their training all the time
1: there we go no need for an asterisk on that one
0: no need for an asterisk
1: straight up advice boom we busted it <laughs> let's put an asterisk in the title of this episode on itunes <laughs> okay say running rules you can safely asterisk ignore <laughs> and then the description will say not always safely subject to your discretion
0: <laughs> i think mean, that's a great idea
1: <laughs> all right so what else doug i think uh, a little birdie told me that there's a downward facing oh, doug there in is, our is a
0: downward facing doug doug is looking Uh-oh. so down on oh no on certain things right now um okay we moved is it Sorry to interrupt.
1: It's not on Jeff Bezos becoming the world's richest man, is it? After.
0: Yeah, did you see he's no longer the world? Th- he, that was oh, like, he's not? He was yesterday. I know. And then the stocks went down. He, and, lost it and he <laughs> he's not, I mean, yeah. he's still incredibly rich, but. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I thought that was. That, I read that yesterday or whatever, and then I reread it, another article today that said that. that no, long. the stocks closed too low. And he went down. Oh, poor guy. I know. Riding high for that 12 hours. <laughs> right. All right. What's it really though? Um. It is. So, you know, I moved and uh, moving is hard, right? It disrupts your yeah. whole life. You got to pack everything up. You got to. Yeah. There's just a lot of, a lot of things you have to address as you got to change. Especially with a baby.
1: Baby or child adds to the difficulty of moving by times five, I would estimate.
0: I I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I definitely would agree with that. Um, and I have been so frustrated with. Big company customer service. And I'm going to call two brands out. Two companies oh, out. This is
1: unrelated to your tweet that one day to Charter, right? Uh, well, it's it's uh,
0: back at Charter. Same,
1: same brand. Oh my gosh! All right, they, let's hear it.
0: They screwed up uh, my internet in so many different ways. I had planned it out perfectly because I obviously need internet to function uh, with the business, and um, so and we had the uh, our old apartment and and our new house kind of overlapped. And I wanted to make sure that they were both on so that I didn't have to worry about it at all. And, of course, when they turn on the new house before we'd moved, they turn off the old one, even though I had been very specific about it. And then, anyway, the whole thing turned into this huge thing that spent hours on the phone. And they actually charged us extra to have to come back out and turn it back on. And um, all this kind of stuff was just – they just were not good about it at all, even though I had explained it. And another one, Home Depot – (laughs) us on the- <laughs> we order a washer and dryer and uh, set up at a delivery time, delivery window. They show up outside the delivery window with just the washer and no one told us that the dryer had been damaged in transport and it would be two weeks before we get a dryer. Um, oh and they gosh. didn't call us to tell us that. Apparently they had known that for like a week and a half. Anyway, mm. just frustrated that the the lack of uh, of customer service from big companies because they know that you don't have any other options and that's just kind of the way the way it is
1: yeah so. i agree i agree with you on that that customer service is often very frustrating there seems to be a trend among some forward-thinking companies to be the opposite of that and that's probably a good thing right
0: oh yeah definitely i mean I, you know so here's to call to speak highly of a company i went into ace hardware the other day to pick up pick out a few things and i was carrying eliza our baby um and while i was in the store it all the heavens opened up and it was pouring down rain and the manager saw me checking out uh and had my hands full in the big parking lot and he went and got uh an umbrella and walked me to my car and i thought that was like i thought that was wonderful customer that is, that, service. That, i will go back is. to that ace hardware anytime. time um, there you
1: go but, but is it that, scalable is the question i don't i don't know if every store manager can be doing that you know that's true that's you got to make it's a customer service is a hard thing i mean it's like you probably know it with the Rock Peak Runner, right? Like so you you it you, you can't possibly have the person the one person behind the site or the owner of Home Depot. Not that there's a single owner, but they can't possibly do service for everybody, right? So you have to have someone else do it and then that means there's rules that need to be followed and there's gotta be policies and then it, it it's just a hard thing to do right. There are some companies that get it right, and we're we're trying to do that, but it's it's hard.
0: It is hard. It is hard. But you know, I think that the uh, I think that nowadays with online sales sales of things online and uh companies that are just getting bigger and bigger and especially in communities like like ours where we do have access to m- most things you know but we don't have everything around here right i mean there's we do have a lowe's and a home depot but that's about it if, when you want to get like big appliances and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um you know they know that that you're gonna have to buy their stuff anyway like if we canceled our order right without, we don't not like we could go that many other places to get it's a commercial. monopoly i know and I think that they take advantage of that. And I don't like that. So, there
1: you go. All right, Doug. I got to, just because I know some people might be thinking it, I I must point out this week's Downward Facing Doug sounds a little bit like whining about first world problems <laughs> with with your electric dryer not showing up on time. When some people listening to this podcast probably wash their clothes in the river and dry them on a, a line. You're right. It is. You know? It is. You're right. No, but you're that's right. why Downward Facing Doug's kind of funny. I was hoping that we would have something <laughs> like this. So,.
0: So I'm okay with that. But I did want it, to point it out. It's just an opportunity for me to rant. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's starting to just. It's going to be you're just complaining about your experiences with companies. There's
0: did, did, were there any angry tweets generated for this one? There were not. No. Ah. Oh, throwing his social media weight around? Did not throw the social media weight around this time. <laughs> no. But I, uh, I did. I did. I, you know and and here's the thing with, with customer service is it's <laughs> okay. never the person it's never the person's fault that you're actually talking to right some sort right. of systematic thing and you get so frustrated but you can't really take it out on the person who's on the other side of the phone no you shouldn't do that you should never do that okay all right all right I'll all quit right. complaining thanks for listening everybody <laughs> it felt good to get that off my chest i, I, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I really appreciate right. it
1: good well i think that was a good use of everyone's time for sure <laughs> anyway, All Um, right, anything else, Doug, before we wrap up? No, that's it. Okay, we will be back uh, next week with with something else. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's good. Sounds good. Take care. All right, bye.